Hello, and welcome to another episode of Screen Bites, our thought leader series where we learn from industry experts about the latest trends and challenges from across the conversion TV space. I'm your host, Michael Beach. This week, I'm joined by Jane Clark. Jane is the CEO and Managing Director at the Coalition for Innovative Media Measurement. Jane is a world-class expert in video ad measurement with deep experience and perspective from both the buy and sell side. Enjoy. All right. Well, Jane, thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Sounds like fun. Well, we'll start off with an icebreaker uh, that we ask all of our guests. Um, you know, what was your first job and, and what lessons did you take away from it that you applied to your career? Well, you know, I tend to kind of skip over the the teenage jobs, you know, like being a waitress or a camp counselor, you know, but, but you actually do, you know, learn an awful lot there about, uh, you know, the importance of showing up and showing up on time and, and t- treating other people with respect. Um, but, but I tend to think about my first job, um, you know, in the field was an internship uh, at National Geographic in Washington. And uh, it was terrific. It was my last semester of my senior year. And, uh, you know, I got to do a, the communications research uh, department internship. And um, I think what I really learned was kind of the, the power, um, you know, of, of speaking truth to power and how, how you do that. And then that research and measurement, you know, can be um, used to sort of, you know, bring, bring a perspective that gets beyond um, you know, a lot of decision-making in corporations that's not based on data, that's just based on politics or, uh, you know, positions. So it, it was kind of a, you know, really um, re- revelatory to me that, you know, people could use data and even young people could actually impact big decisions and and tell tell that to senior management. Absolutely. And, and how, kind of looking more at the measurement space, you know, how did you get your start in, in that area? Oh well, so that actually was a measurement job. That first job in the in the communications research department, and ever since then, I've um, all my jobs have been just through the referrals of people that I met in that first job. So it really all started just with an internship, uh, and, you know, amazingly as it as it may seem. And then I spent um, I went from there to Children's TV Workshop, and then I spent like twenty seven years in Time Warner and many different divisions doing research across, you know, print and TV and music, and uh, then came to SIM about 10, 11 years ago. Excellent. Well, that is a uh, rare story that the uh, internship leads kind of a direct line to where we are today. So congratulations on that. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, but kind of before we jump in any, any deeper, you might give our audience a little background on, on, on SIM and kind of what its mission is. Sure. Yeah. So SIM is the Coalition for Innovative Media Measurement, and it was formed about sort of 11, 12 years ago by uh, the networks, uh, along with the media buying agencies and um, a handful of large advertisers. And at the time, I, th- I think uh, I think Alan Wurzel at NBCU was um, in the midst of negotiating a Nielsen contract, <laughs> um, and they were also starting to look at this new world of set-top box data. And they kept thinking, oh, you know, we could form like a new group to uh, investigate creating new currencies out of set-top box data. And then like, you know, we could get rid of my Nielsen contract <laughs> for, the, for the next time around. Uh, well, so that didn't exactly happen. And they, you know, they never 
um, when I, when they hired me in January of 2010, I was the first, you know, managing director. Uh, I, you know, I knew right away that they didn't have enough money to to harm Nielsen in in any way considerably, but that it was still worth it to um, have a group of people in the industry that looked at innovation and how we could push all of the vendors to do the kind of innovation that really the end users, you know, the buyers and sellers of media um, needed. And so that's always been the role that Sims played, uh, even though we're now, you know, a nonprofit. In the beginning, we were an LLC. And then we, a couple of years ago, were acquired by the ARF and now we're a nonprofit. Um, but we have the same mission, which is uh, to bring more granular measurement into television and to use that as part of uh, solutions for cross-media measurement. And, and when we think of cross-media measurement, we mostly think of it from the point of view of video. So how can you... Uh, completely measure the video that might start on linear television and uh, then also have um, lots of different iterations in uh, all the new forms of TV that have emerged from, you know, VOD and streaming and addressable TV and, you know, all the different ways that a marketer uh, can buy TV today and that, you know, content is created across all these platforms. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, recently, um, you hosted your, your kind of 10th annual summit uh, and, and congrats on that. And, and uh, uh, I was like, I'm impressed with the overall uh, you know, video quality and guests and pulling off a virtual summit like that is an amazing accomplishment. So congratulations on that. Um, what were kind of a few big takeaways? Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, we had to actually get a little production team to help us. We couldn't do it all uh, by ourselves because we're a very small operation. Um, but I would say that the there were, you know, the big takeaway was that I think the industry has kind of finally um, been able to to clarify that there are really four building blocks to get to cross-media measurement. Uh, and, you know, the first one is that you need this granular uh, TV data from smart TVs and set-top boxes. And it's better, actually, if you can combine those data sets to get, you know, as nationally representative granular data sets as possible. Uh, and then the second thing that you need is you need that on the digital side. So all the app and the site data, this, you know, the CTV, OTT data, that is not in any form of a standardized, um, you know, data set right now. Uh, you know, every network has their own approach to measuring that and their own log file data you know, similar to Google and Facebook, you know, they're all kind of walled gardens when it comes to their own uh, data in, in, in the apps that they um, are all, you know, launching more and more of every day. Um, and then the third area is that you need a panel then because there are biases and skews and missing data in those big data sets, uh, both digital and the TV sets. So you need a cross platform panel um, or, or, you know, some linking of, of a digital and a television panel in order to, uh, you know, make those adjustments and to also understand who's in front of the television screen, because that's a big problem with all this machine data is you just know that the machine was on, but you don't know how many people or who, you know, was in front of it. Uh, so you, you need a panel to do all of those things. Um, but, you know, but it's a changing role for the panel. And then the last piece of all that is ID resolution, you know, and that's really critical to piece all of those 
three other building blocks together. You know, you need a, a solution for how you can connect uh, all the devices and the people in a particular household um, to match to other household data sets so that then all, this whole thing can be used for planning, uh, you know, targeting, audience targeting, creating segments, activating against those segments, um, optimization, you know, in flight, and then uh, measurement and attribution on the back end. So it's it's really, uh, you know, almost an entirely new TV data platform that needs to be created to, to, to completely get to cross-media measurement. Yeah, you love the idea of the kind of big data and, and the panel combined. Um, beyond kind of the, you know, who's in front of the TV, what are kind of some kind of core use cases for, or questions that the panel would answer with the, with the big data set combined? Well, um, one of the issues with the big data sets is that they don't cover the over-the-air audience, you know, and still there's still some markets where people don't have pay TV and they don't have smart TVs. So, uh, you know, it can be, it can be, maybe only 10% nationally, but there can be some markets that uh, it can be quite um, a lot larger than that, you know, up into the high teens and 20s where people are still getting their TV over the air. And you can't pick that up from any of these data that these data sets, sometimes they're called like data exhaust or, you know, they they come off of the set-top boxes and off of the smart TVs, sometimes for other reasons than measurement, but um, they, they don't cover homes that, you know, aren't hooked up to, to the internet in some way or hooked up to a cable where you can get a return uh, path of the data. Excellent. And kind of, you know, where are we at overall, you know, from a measurement point of view today? Well, what's happening is that progress is being made kind of in all of those four building blocks, but... Um, it's it hasn't really been you know kind of uh, consistently set up you know in the industry as to these are the objectives and this is what we all have to do you know so you have um, everybody's doing their own thing you know you have all the vendors trying to kind of come up with solutions that fit into their uh, usually into their prior approach to doing things you know so you know Nielsen starts out with one point of view from the panel, they start bringing in big data and, you know, now they're going to launch a Nielsen one and um, they're trying to uh, put together all these pieces, but they're missing the consistent digital data. Uh, they, you know, the networks didn't install the Nielsen SDK and all their apps. And so Nielsen has a hole on the digital side. And, and that's a very interesting dynamic because the network's they've now become data owners. They don't want to just give their data to Nielsen and then have Nielsen turn it around and charge them for putting it together with everybody else's data. Uh, so, so that's a very interesting dynamic. And then what happens is you have all the networks themselves then. They're creating their own um, view of what deduplicated reach looks like across their properties. So they're taking their Nielsen, you know, linear TV data, they're adding it to their app data, to VOD, to addressable, whatever else they're selling. And they can put that together themselves into a estimate of deduplicated reach for the marketers to buy advertising. But, you know, then uh, NBCU is doing it in a different way from ViacomCBS and from WarnerMedia. So you don't have a holistic, you know, end-to-end -end view for the buyers. Um, so, so, you know, so, so basically, you know, 
everybody's kind of coming at it um, from from their own point of view. Uh, and even the marketers in the last year got involved. So the World Federation of Advertisers uh, launched a um, you know a, a kind of an initiative under their media committee. Uh, to come up with a blue a framework, a global framework, and a technical blueprint for cross media measurement that um, also involves bringing in data from Google and Facebook because that's really important to the marketers. How can they deduplicate reach between Google, Facebook, and the whole TV video ecosystem? Uh, so you know everybody's kind of coming at it um, from from their point of view. I think they all kind of agree on the four building blocks, but they're working on different pieces of them, you know, in different ways. And, and when it comes to the panel, and we have the Nielsen panel, we have a couple of other smaller panels in the industry that people are trying to launch. Um, and then when it comes to ID resolution, you know, there's so many people working on different forms of ID resolution uh, with everything changing with the deprecation of the, you know, the cookie and the IDFA. Um, so there's people working on how do you bring keep identity in the open web? How do you have authenticated users, you know, that are logged in in Google and Facebook and other platforms, you know, and manage your own identity? How do you combine that with CTV? You know, how do you do data matching with other partners? I mean, there's just there's a, an awful lot of activity in the ID resolution space right now. Yeah, that seems like another area that there's fragmentation, which is just going to add, obviously, you know, your four building blocks can add more complexity when you've got another area that's, um, you know, it seems like the last couple of years has gotten more fragmented, not less so. Yeah, no, CT CTV is definitely uh, added to the fragmentation. <laughs> it's all good for us as consumers that now we can enjoy a lot more content whenever we want to. Um, but it's certainly added uh, more complexity, you know, into the measurement area. Yeah, kind of on that, obviously the pandemic's had a huge shift in user consumption of video. Um, how has that impacted measurement specifically? Well, you know, I mean, we've all seen the the data on the, you know, the, the, the streaming revolution just kind of happened in the last nine months, even though it, it had been going in fits and starts, you know, for a few years before that. But you know, we're all of a sudden on the other side of that. Um, so, you know, we, there's no going back. And uh, the fr from a measurement point of view, though, you know, it's highlighted the fact that we don't have a standardized way to get all that data back. So there isn't a good view of that, um, you know, for the marketers. Uh, there's also, there also have been some issues with panels, um, you know, in COVID when uh, some of the uh, panel monitoring systems and installation systems, you know, haven't been able to pay visits to the home. Uh, and and that, that means that members have had to stay in longer, or maybe they've lost uh, members of the panel. Um, that, you know, there have been issues just maintaining quality, uh, you know, in panels and not just the Nielsen panel. Um, and there was, you know, there's some new panels trying to launch, and that's been a little challenging to you know, get the money to do, to launch and to and to you know get cooperation from consumers and everything. Um, but the the good news about COVID, I think, really in this all has been that it's it's made marketers really push for efficiency 
um, and that they really, you know, need to know where every dollar is being spent. So the pressure is on to really improve the measurement. And I think that has actually led to a lot of initiatives in the last year, you know, more so than probably would have happened if we weren't all sitting at home having Zoom calls all day long and, and wanting to tell something to the marketers that would solve their problem of cross-media measurement. So uh, I, I, I do think actually, you know, it's a kind of a cliche to say that COVID has accelerated, you know, the digital revolution by about five years, but it's really true. So on that, are you seeing the kind of the change being driven by buyers or sellers kind of under those conditions? Well, I think what's happened is that the buyers are just putting more pressure on the sellers. So it started in the beginning of COVID when all of a sudden the marketers just started pulling back all their advertising because they weren't sure about what was going to happen and they didn't want their ads out there, you know, in in questionable content and, you know, very negative news. And, and so there was kind of an immediate pullback and a re-questioning of everything. Um, and so the, and that just forced them to push forward their agenda even more that they've always been asking for, you know, holistic end-to-end measurement. Well, if you're going to sell me a cross-platform package, tell me what's my deduplicated reach across mm-hmm that whole package, you know, I need to know if I'm reaching new people and, and there's, they also don't, you know, with more people home watching more television during the day and everything. um, I have also noticed that marketers are increasingly sensitive about over frequency and that especially on television, they think it's a really annoying, you know, customer experience or viewer experience to, um, you know, see the same ad over and over and over again. And it doesn't help, the marketer at all. Uh, so there's been a real push to help them to, you know, get this unified end-to-end view across all the platforms so that they can manage frequency and they can really understand the impact of which platforms are working for them. Um, yeah, I would have thought that uh, with everyone being stuck at home, that sports when it returned, you know, would have been off the charts from a viewership standpoint. But obviously, you've seen kind of time spent with video go up, but sports viewership go down so much that um, that's created an interesting challenge for for marketers because those mass reach opportunities uh, just aren't there, uh, you know, like they were before. Yeah, I'm personally not sh- completely sure that that whole story has been told yet because I think um, some people were watching like the Super Bowl, you know, on other platforms, and it didn't get fully counted uh, in those numbers that that go out. So, um, you know, there just there there are a lot of options. There's a lot of streaming. I mean, it, that's what it does. It gives people more options to watch more things. Um, so, you know, you're gonna the marketers have to deal with a world that's both got some opportunities for for mass reach um, and opportunities for targeting and for more, uh, you know, finding audiences wherever they are and and targeting the messages that way. So, you know, I think TV is in the middle of a revolution of bringing some of the digital techniques, not in the same way that they were applied in digital, but just starting with, um, you know, the idea that, uh, you don't always have to to link your 
TV buy around a particular kind of content. There, there might be reasons to do that, um, both from a branding point of view, as well as, you know, from a mass reach point of view, but that you can also find audiences that you're looking for, you know, in a lot of different places that might seem unexpected to you. So I, I think that um, marketers are starting to look at this in different, different ways um, and, and that they, you know, how they, how they use television, uh, you know, in their media plan is changing. Excellent. And kind of one area uh, you want to get your take on is, you know, at Crossroad Media, our, our core focus is local. Uh, and that seems to add another level of fragmentation uh, to all of this. You know, we've got, you know, customers that when they're using set-top box data, you know, certain markets, you know, they've got, you know, uh, you know, are, are good for their solution or not. And and um, obviously it seems like this would create a challenge for for panels because of that kind of fragmentation of markets. Uh, how should local buyers and sellers be approaching this challenge? Yeah, I actually think it's a terrific time um, in local media for for television and and addressable television as well because you know that it was always the problem before. I mean, the Nielsen local panel has not been accredited for quite a while because uh, you know it it was always a challenge to get you know, 400 people in any market or just a meter in any, in, in certain markets, you know, that didn't even have, um, it wasn't even a, a people meter or they use surveys or, you know, there's been so many challenges with how do you do panels um, in a cost-efficient way in 210 you know, markets across the country. So that's been a, a, a huge um, improvement now with set-top box and smart TV data is you're able to combine those data sets uh, and get um, not only nationally representative data sets, but actually um, representative data sets that you know are pretty good in almost every market across the country. And uh, that's um, a huge uh, benefit. I mean, Comscore builds their measurement, their TV measurement product now starting in the local markets and they build it up to national. Uh, and I think they have a huge, you know, focus on on local market TV measurement, and and the also the addressability that's happened, uh, you know, that's been going on for twenty years in cable and satellite, you know, where you're able to uh, do zone addressable or zip code addressable, zip plus four, you know, um, and even even down to household addressable, but people, you know, haven't really always had the creative uh, to do that. But anyway, you've been able to do that kind of addressability technically in local markets, uh, you know, for a long time. And now that improvement's finally coming to national. So, you know, local is really leading um, in the, in the addressable space. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of um, encouragement uh, for local TV measurement. I think they've been, um, you know, grateful for the the release of the set-top box and the smart TV data because it's really improved their measurement. They used to see, you know, Nielsen would show the 10 o'clock news that there was no audience, you know, zero. <laughs> like they would have these zero cells, they called them. And, you know, everybody knew there was somebody there, but they could never show it until they had the set-top box data. So I think that's been huge. Yeah, a lot of inventory and cable everywhere that just, you know, you had your two asterisks in the on the on the price, so a bit of a big improvement. 
well, kind of one kind of big picture question, I guess, in two parts, you know, what's the kind of the single biggest change you've seen maybe in the last five to 10 years? And then looking forward, kind of what's the one uh, item that you're most excited about? Well, actually, it's kind of related. I think I think that the fact that the TV networks are becoming data owners is just a huge shift in perspective. Um, and that it really kind of changes the whole dynamic of how you do measurement and what's the role of third-party measurement firms um, in an era when everybody owns their own data. Um, there, there was a funny story when Google is a member of SIM and when they first joined SIM, we brought them to a meeting and they wanted to talk about, you know, how great it is to have first-party data. And all the TV networks were looking at them like, well, what do you mean? Don't you want a third-party a uh, research vendor to help to show how you all compare against, you know, how you compare against your competitors. And they were all like, no, <laughs> no, we really don't want that. You know, we, we have our own data ecosystem and we like to show the marketers how we can help them to use their data combined with our data. And, you know, we can place their audience, find their audiences all across our platform. And then we can give them attribution and show them the impact of what they did. And, the networks were just sort of looking at them like it was, you know, like aliens had just landed on Earth or something. But um, that was about five years ago, maybe. <laughs> and now, uh, now they're all data owners, and they completely get it. They don't, they don't want to uh, just give up that data to a third party. They want to learn how to use that in the best way possible for them and and for their marketing partners. Um, but on the other hand, you know, what's, what then becomes frustrating, as I mentioned before, is then the buyers don't have a holistic end to end view and they're getting different data from everybody and it's not standardized. So I think that they are finally realizing now that they've sort of gotten over all the euphoria that they're a data owner. I think they've also realized that collaborating with other networks in a, you know, kind of TV premium video ecosystem makes a lot of sense for all of them because, um, you know, even, even Google and Facebook sort of look at the TV ecosystem as if it's all one ecosystem, but it doesn't really act like one, you know, there's so many differences with local and national and, you know, different by content and sports and genre, you know, there's so many in syndication and, you know, VOD. I mean, there's so many different um, uh, corners of the TV video ecosystem, but um, I do think they're starting to see that there's benefit in working together and not just showing what you can do to the to the marketers, but showing how that also fits together with you know your whole ecosystem. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I mean, these kind of distribution deals between uh, you know streaming hardware providers and uh, you know networks, whether it be a traditional you know TV network coming online. Just the different elements that are part of that have been fascinating. That uh, um, you know, data and uh, you know where you can sell. You know, can you sell in a channel store? And I mean, that's obviously such a huge part of Urban's future has shown up in these deals. Yeah, yeah. No, once you're a data owner, you know, and you have data and you have content, and now you have a consumer relationship also, um, and that's a big change for the networks. Is there? you know, direct to consumer there, they have subscriber relationships now. And so it's a whole new mindset for them to think about 
customer loyalty and churn and how do you maintain that relationship and how do you protect the data, but, you know, but use it in a way that works for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it, it's a, <laughs> a lot of changes. Excellent. We'll get you out of here on kind of one last question. We ask all of our guests, um, we're starting a you know book club here. If you could get your whole team to read one book right now, what would it be and why? Well, um, one of our speakers at the summit, actually, our last closing fireside chat um, was one of my favorite uh, guys, Rashad Tabakwala, you know, who had been an advisor at Publicist Group for many years. And now he's, you know, kind of a more senior advisor, retired, semi-retired, and he's an author. Uh, and his book that he put out last year um, is uh, Restoring the Soul of Business. Um, how to oh staying human in the age of data is the subtitle so um i think it's great and he also has a fantastic blog called uh the future does not fit in the containers of the past and i highly recommend that uh to, to everyone that is actually a uh repeat recommendation for us uh, on, on the podcast and actually I'm, I'm just wrapping it up right now it was uh, uh an excellent book well, great. Terrific. No, thanks for asking me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I know our community is going to love the uh, conversation. Uh, what's the best uh, way for people to, to kind of get in touch with you or kind of find you on the on the internet? Oh, well, um, there's a lot of good stuff on our website, cimm-us.org. Uh, we put all our reports up there, you know, after the members have had a chance to uh, benefit from them for, you know, a month or two, and then we put every, make everything public. Um, or they can also just reach out to me on LinkedIn too. Excellent. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Screen Bites. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. You can find out more about CrossGreen Media at crossgreenmedia.com. And please don't forget to sign up for our weekly newsletter, Stay to the Screens. You can find us on social media at crossgreenmedia.com. Join us next time for more insights and analysis straight from the experts.